0: I'm Rebecca Lavoie and this is You Can't Make This Up. You Can't Make This Up is the podcast where we uncover the true stories behind your favorite Netflix documentaries and films. On today's episode, we take a closer look at the Netflix documentary series Depp v. Heard. Depp and his legal team say the Heard is outright lying and that those lies have devastated
1: his career. Heard countersued for $100 million in damages, alleging the actor's legal team tried to defame her by calling her claims a hoax. Today,
0: we're talking to executive producer and director Emma Cooper. When actor Johnny Depp sued his ex wife Amber Heard for accusing him of abuse, the world was glued to the trial live stream. Fans took sides, lawyers pulled no punches, and social media influencers provided hot takes in real time. And the fates of the parties to the lawsuit were decided as much in the court of public opinion as they were in a court of law. Depp v. Heard examines the infamous defamation case that captured the world's attention and became the world's first trial by TikTok. TikTok. Showing both testimonies side by side for the first time, the series explores this global media event, questioning the nature of truth and the role it plays in our modern society. It just kicked me in the back.
1: I don't know who to believe. It, It didn't happen. I don't know how much of it is true. They're two actors. You can
0: really just feel how much of a psychopath this woman is. And I'm joined now by executive producer and director, Emma Cooper. Emma, welcome to You Can't Make This Up. Thank you so much for having me. So, Emma, at what point did you start paying attention to this defamation trial? Were you a trial watcher from the beginning or afterward? Were you like, what was that?
1: I was an obsessive, compulsive viewer of this trial. I probably got to it a few hours late Um, But by the end of day one, I was locked in and I was an avid viewer for every single day of the trial. It it took over my life.
0: Well, that's really interesting because it actually makes me wonder, how did you even begin to approach telling the story in a new way, given that it's been so heavily covered and that people have such strong opinions about it? What transpired?
1: Well, I think actually my curiosity came out of the fact that I was watching it pure. I was watching it unfiltered, unedited. Luckily, because I'm in London, the time difference worked for me. So, you know, I could, I could watch it in the evenings as well as around work. And I realised that I was watching a primary source. I was watching it minute by minute and I was drawing my own conclusions and then as i started to look at the noise on socials i thought that there were very very many opinions as there would be um about the material that i was watching and i and i found it really compelling that we could all watch the same thing and have completely different opinions and responses to the evidence that was being put forward
0: So did you aim to make a documentary that was also sort of reflective of that primary source experience? Because it is very much like an informational catalog in many ways. And that's how I experienced it, you know, watching your series
1: yeah I didn't want to do any interviews so when I started talking to Netflix about it, you know quite strangely for a documentary filmmaker, I said my ambition is not to interview anybody and to use the trial footage and the and the conversation around it to ask questions of ourselves of viewers and yeah, that was born out of my own experience of 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 watching it and not seeing it through a third party
0: hmm So views about this trial and the story behind it remain very, very hot and heated, particularly in support of Johnny Depp, which we'll talk about. Your series examines the particularly destructive power of digital media and the mob there. Are you prepared to put yourself in that same space and and risk the same kind of treatment now that you've made a project about this trial?
1: Um, I think that if you put yourself into the forefront of these moments in in time and in life, and you're a documentary filmmaker, I think that you have to accept that it brings um, attention to yourself. And I accept that. It doesn't mean that I like it, but I accept it and I understand it. And in a way, it's quite meta because it sort of highlights some of the things that I was saying in the series.
0: So really interestingly in your series, you decided not to present the trial in chronological order. What was your aim in showing the testimony of Johnny Depp and Amber Heard side by side?
1: So I think that I was so interested in watching the trial and realizing that we've just got to get back to basics. You know, there are many, you know, there are many ways of looking at the truth in society. There's, you know, the truth on the prosecution, there's the truth on the defence, and there is the truth. And we're all trying to figure out what our own truths are and what the truth is. Um, and so as I looked at the trial, I realised that they were talking about the same incident, but at different times, sometimes many days, apart from each other. And as we sat down for the editing process, I just wanted to have a look at what they both said about the same incident. She squared off at me in the doorway of our bedroom. I, I remember him blocking the door, blocking me to get out, kind of shoving me down and we had a, you know, a verbal argument and then that became a shoving match. I tried to shove him back. And I said, go ahead, hit me. And what was fascinating is that they both passionately believed their own version of that incident, but their versions of those incidents were very different, which I believe that when we pulled them close together, again, simply gives us, the viewer, a pause for thought. It's a curious, it's a curious element of the human mind and the human brain that we observe the same scenarios differently and we have different perspectives And I simply wanted to put forward that these two people passionately believed their own truths, but those truths were not interlocking. They were not the same.
0: It really struck me that the existence of all of this media, all of these TikToks in particular, made it so that, and, you know, this may have been a choice and I I actually think it really helps the series, really like no reenactments needed to be done because they were all already done by the public who watched this trial, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, TikTok is an amazing thing and YouTube and all of these socials because, you know, you can, you can have an opinion, you can act something out and it can be live in a matter of seconds and it's there forever. Um, And I find, I find that fascinating. I want to ask a craft question because something that I very often
0: think about when I watch documentaries about difficult subjects is something like the scoring because it is a very fine line to, you know, when you're telling a story like this, especially a story that involves you know, very triggering things like abuse um, to not be, you know, manipulative with music and I think you walk that line very well. There is like an extensive orchestral music score you know, throughout the clips of courtroom testimony that sort of varies from sort of light, you know, to more dramatic as the testimony kind of continues into darker areas. How did you think about that as you were putting the series together?
1: I'm so happy that you asked this question. I'm so happy that you noticed it because right from the beginning, the score was very important to me as a way of conveying emotion and thought and some kind of directorial take uh, within the series, because usually there's a way as the director of getting your voice or your thoughts into a piece via the questions that you ask of, of people, albeit you cut the questions out because nobody really wants to hear you. And I worked with a drama composer actually called Edmund Butt, who was fantastic and who Who joined the production very early on and I would give him scenes and I would say, this is the emotion that this scene needs to convey. And he managed to do that. So the whole, the whole series is scored. And I wanted it to, I wanted it to feel like a movie. I wanted it to feel like the Hollywood movie that it actually became.
0: You know, what's interesting to me, and I do want to talk about what happened later in the trial, especially with sort of the rise of what happened on social media, but the court of public opinion here seemed very preloaded in favor of Johnny Depp in many ways. And doesn't that sort of reflect? the level of difference of the celebrity of of Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. Yes.
1: And that's the point is we were making a commentary and documentary about the fact that there was maybe more support on one side or rather than another. Mm -hmm. And as you say, when we were sifting through the material, it was easier to find far more voices that were pro-Depp than were pro-Heard. And we reflect that very clearly in the series, while also ensuring that Amber Heard's support was fully balanced against and alongside Depp's support. But I would say that he's a big Hollywood star and people think that he is Jack Sparrow and he is a part of their lives. And they came out and supported him in that way, like all the characters that he's played. And he's a very loved, older actor. Mm. So one influencer
0: shot video of people lined up uh, for day one and the general scene outside of the courthouse. And from a distance, he filmed another line and said... Over there, that's the professional credentialed media. Okay, so if you're like official media, you have to be on that side of the street, right? If you're like just a fan, you can be over here. So I can kind of get like a closer look at Johnny. That sort of captures the theme of the entire series, right? That the general public has this close-up intimate access and that the professional credentialed media was sort of looking at it from far away.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think traditional media, however you want to call it, just kind of arrived late, like just didn't think it was going to be a thing. And everybody on the socials was super smart and got there really quick and and realised that it was going to be a massive national conversation. And I think that maybe traditional media was a bit sniffy about it, thought like, why are we going to go to Virginia and have a look at this trial, you know, for two people who are actors? And the socials knew that it was going to be something very big, and they are part of the reason then why also it caught fire. But they were certainly the people who were often in the courtroom and did have, you know, who were there watching from within.
0: There were certain YouTube channels that really exploded during this trial because they were doing this live real-time coverage as if it were a sports event. What were like the bona fides of some of these YouTube streamers? Did, did any of them have uh, some some professional you know basis for doing this, or were most of them kind of amateur YouTubers who were doing sort of general commentary who hooked onto this story, realizing that it would amplify their their channels? I mean, there was certainly
1: one who had been a contestant on The Bachelor, Um, but equally, there were people from a legal background, you know, who had very interesting things to say. There were people from journalist backgrounds, um, but they're called, you know, all of them were commenting as live and maybe without some of the guardrails of a national news network. Can you tell me a little bit more about Darth
0: News? This was a, a character that I was not particularly familiar with, and I certainly uh, would jolt in my chair a little bit every time that imagery would come up on the screen.
1: <laughs> yeah, I found Darth a really strong voice. He was, you know, he. We realised that he was commenting a lot. He was pro uh, Dap. And I found his anonymized voice really interesting. And he had really interesting things to say and a certain way of saying them, which would have been very difficult to platform on a news network or a news channel. I'm not a legal scholar. I'm not a lawyer. I do this for fun, but I have like a dog in the fight because I actually give a fuck about Johnny Depp
0: and men's rights.
1: And I found it fascinating that he was a very large, well listened to, well watched commentator on the trial. But he's very clear in his opinion. You know, you know what this man stands for and you know exactly how he feels about both people in the trial the whole way through. I found his narrative very clear and therefore very interesting.
0: What do you think about the fact that this very clear narrative, this very, very pro-dep voice who would you know invoke men's rights frequently was also the same person wearing a Deadpool-style mask and kind of being there as an anonymous figure? I thought that was very interesting too.
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, to some extent, even the people within social media are a bit scared of social media. You know, everybody is, aren't they? You know, we're all in a world where... You know, in one minute, everything can change because of something that you've said, you know, maybe out of context or, or or maybe just how you felt at that time. And I think that Darth very much kept his face out of the limelight.
0: It was really interesting because like you, I was watching the trial as primary source and I don't really interact, you know, with TikTok as much as like my 20 something kids do. And I remember my son, you know, coming over one day and giving me an opinion of the trial that I was really surprised by. And it made me wonder, and I'm just curious about your thoughts, you know, are these live streamers and TikTokers? um, To what extent do you think they're influencing opinion versus amplifying opinion, if that makes
1: sense? Um, I mean, look, there was a jury and there was a verdict. No one is disputing that. What I find really fascinating and was one of the things that I wanted to look at is that TikTok and many TikToks do not necessarily have context and it's the context that you need. And so very many of these TikToks can survive in isolation with anybody saying whatever they want to say without showing their primary evidence for saying it. Uh, And as such, for people who may only see a handful of TikToks and not sift through all the trial and not look at any informed opinion pieces, they would definitely be influenced to think that a certain thing happened within that trial that maybe it didn't.
0: Hmm. And of course, that was all affected by the fact that the trial was fully televised. Um, What do you think of that decision and that choice? I mean, it makes me wonder how this could have played out differently if we'd only had TikTokers playing off of news clips, maybe that had been, you know, aired on Entertainment Tonight or the nightly news and so forth.
1: Well, of course, the London trial was not televised and barely did not get anywhere near the amount of, you know, column inches that, that the US trial did. But I think it's a difficult question because I'm not against the democratization of being able to watch streams of trials and being able to have an opinion on them is not per se a bad thing. I guess the absolute lack of regulation and accountability is a tricky thing for our society, I would say. It's a tricky question. You know, there's no real answer. You want to encourage people to be able to say whatever they want. We have freedom of speech, But I do think that there's accountability. Now, one would hope that a fully televised, transparent trial would not actually cause so much misinformation. But strangely, it does.
0: I'm wondering if re-examining all this trial footage, was there anything about the trial that, you know, you learned that was new or that you were reminded of that maybe you forgot when the whole spectacle was over?
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, going through it all moment by moment was really illuminating. There were definitely things that had leapt out at me at the time, which meant I hadn't noticed other kind of moments. And, you know, I was watching it the second time as a documentary maker. And the first time I was watching it, I'm really sad to say, I was watching it as entertainment. And, you know, therein lies one of the reasons why I wanted to make the series. I found it entertaining. And I found that in the end, that was distasteful in myself to have that reaction towards it when essentially it's two people who are feeling very traumatized.
0: Mm. Now, during the trial, after the trial, even today, people on social media say, and I've experienced this myself, that bots and sock puppet accounts are amplifying the pro-Dep messaging. Of course, Johnny Depp's lawyers categorically deny that he or his team has anything to do with this. Has it ever been revealed or proven definitively that there is a campaign, an organized campaign of sock puppetry doing pro-Depp messaging?
1: No, I mean, you know, there's there's never any full evidence. All we could point to that there was a huge amount of groundswell and traffic uh, with Depp that happened at really interesting points in in time when other things might have been going on in Ukraine. And obviously it was very distracting, the trial, but there was nothing that we could point to.
0: Now, just to recap, this is actually a defamation suit. Amber Heard wrote an op-ed identifying herself as a celebrity victim of domestic violence. She didn't name Johnny Depp. You know, he said it was an accusation against him and it harmed his reputation. But this civil trial really pivoted away from defamation, libel, First Amendment into a he said, she said domestic violence trial, especially in the eyes of the public, right?
1: Yeah. What I didn't want to get into was he said, she said, from our point of view, right. I do not have an opinion. It is my job to not have an opinion. But my job and my interest lay in the fact that it was so polarizing and that it became that and everybody picked aside side. And then it became about something very different than, as you say, the reason that it came about.
0: Well, you know, one way to look at this is that truth is a defense against libel and you can't legally be defamed if the statement is true. So the trial became about Amber's truthfulness versus Johnny's character. And to prove either of those things, it can become unseemly and in this case, very ugly, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. There were there were moments in that trial on both sides which were deeply troubling deeply upsetting and they were laid out very private moments very sad moments um no matter what you think about either person you know on both sides it was not something that you would want people to see and that was very sad i think nothing happened this morning you know that all i did was say sorry did something happen to you I don't think so. And, you know, it was really important to me in the first episode that we really built up and showed their love story because it was always quite bizarre and sad and poignant to me that these two people at one point had been deeply in love. It had been, what an amazing romantic Hollywood love story. And, And it came down to this sad argument and fight in a courtroom in Virginia with very bad lighting and you know you're not used to seeing these people with very bad lighting looking like the rest of us and I wanted to remind people that this started for these two people in a very in a very pure way I fell head over heels in love with this man she seemed to be the perfect partner literate sweet funny she was uh, she was wonderful they loved each other at one point, and then this is how it ended up. And it's incredibly sad for, for anybody, you know, would, would admit that, I think, and see that.
0: I think it's very interesting to note that that is the one element of their testimony that lines up completely. When you sort of juxtapose his description of the beginning of the relationship and her description of the beginning of the relationship, it is... completely aligned no disagreement it's when things start to turn that they begin to disagree and I found that extremely interesting and very very tragic yes
1: yeah And, and and also I wanted to just you know remind people that both of them are human beings and that we can relate to them you know we've all fallen in love we've all been in love and we've all been in love and it has you know gone wrong Um, And I just wanted people to remember that and also establish them through that as they are both human beings. Mm. And I think sometimes on both sides, people forget that the other person is a human being.
0: Well, I think the public certainly forgot in, in many instances that we're talking about human beings here. I mean, there's this horrible moment where Amber describes a sexual assault on camera and I think that we have to remember she's on live television describing this moment and that was a significant moment like legally there's a precedent there right
1: absolutely the fact that she was in vision and the testimony was live and televised it was a very very unusual and almost unprecedented testimony that happened
0: hmm so in the opinion of a lot of people, um, Amber Heard did not, quote, perform well on the stand, which hurt her with the jury. Sitting here today. It's so awkward. You have not donated the $7 million. Donated. Not pledged. Donated the $7 million divorce settlement to charity.
1: I use pledge and donation synonymous with one another. They but the I same don't.
0: Miss Heard. I don't use it synonymously.
1: That's how donations are paid.
0: Misheard respectfully. It strikes me that in today's environment, and I don't think this is necessarily just today, I think it's through history, for women especially, it's more important to be likable in many cases in order to be believed, right?
1: Both of them had a strategy. You know, both of them had legal teams who decided to go one way and another way and delivery was part of that. You know, it being on TV was part of that. And I think that, you know, I don't know because I never spoke to the people who advised Amber, but it was clear that people responded better to Johnny's testimony than they did to Amber. And in particular, which we show in one of the episodes, the fact that she, you know, whoever advised her was advising her to speak directly to the jury then seemed quite strange when you're watching it on the live feed. And I'm not certain that 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 was an element that worked for her.
0: I thought it was interesting. And this is just my observation that, you know, people online kept talking about how she was an actress. She's an actress. I'm like, he's a very experienced actor. And he has a different accent than he used to have. So <laughs> why are we only talking about her performance and not his performance when he literally is embodying the character of Jack Sparrow now?
1: Yeah, I, I kept on saying it's very rare for a documentary filmmaker to have one of the best actors of their generation to be my main character, one of my main characters. It was extraordinary. You know, he is a incredibly amazing actor. And, you know, they both are. But, you know, he comes with a lot of history with that.
0: So Johnny Depp claimed to be a victim to, you know, he had his own photographs, his own audio tapes. And Amber admits to uh, the behavior in many instances. So does this speak to the nuance of the cycle of violence or does this speak to some kind of victimhood that we just need to better understand?
1: I mean, again, I'm not there to look at that detail of the trial. I was to look at the fact that they were both claiming, you know, very real, very credible uh, violent instances and how that was taken by other people and how the moment that you thought the DV survivors would side with a woman, they sided with a man. And it was just a really... Amazing moment in time where the how people reacted to the testimony on both sides. It just went a very different way. Like all the time, you just couldn't predict how the majority where the line would fall on on any of these instances.
0: Hmm. So you reviewed all of the live stream footage, all of these TikToks, and of course the verdict came out. What was your impression of that real time online reaction? To the verdict.
1: Well, again, I mean, I think everybody forgets and maybe doesn't want to say it was incredibly exciting. It was a huge moment.
0: Do you find that Mr. Depp has proven all the elements of defamation? Answer: Yes.
1: Yes. 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 Depp wins count
0: one. Oh shit! You know, there's not
1: many times. In life, when a global event happens and everybody stops what they're doing and watches. And it's really reflected in the socials. Now, of course, everybody was there because they wanted to see their version of justice be maintained and to happen. But I think deep down, if we asked everybody, including myself, it was an exciting moment, you know, where. There was a rush of blood to the head while we waited for that verdict. It felt a very big moment when really it's a celebrity trial.
0: Right. So it seemed that it wasn't till after the trial and after the verdict and after those documents were unsealed that its consequences were examined, especially by people, I think, who weren't following it necessarily day to day. And that includes some of the media who covered the trial. Right
1: yeah I mean I think I, I think the the noise around the trial took everybody by surprise. you know, I think it was probably the very first of its time where anybody could comment without looking at all of the trial and without looking at the detail and the primary evidence. And I think that um, you know traditional media maybe were caught off guard and also was surprised at how unlevel the support was. It was just out and out Johnny Depp. And, you know, I think some traditional media, which we put in there, you know, felt like after the Me Too movement, after, you know, such a push on feminist voices in the last couple of years, since the beginning of the Me Too movement, really felt like the the noise around the verdict really kind of surprised them and took that cause back to some extent.
0: So the obvious question is whether or not social media coverage influenced the verdict. Of course, Amber Heard's attorneys say it's impossible that it didn't. And Johnny Depp's attorneys say there's no way that it did. Do you have an opinion
1: on that? I mean, I don't have an opinion about anything. Uh, I do secretly, no, I don't. Um, I think that the verdict was the verdict. The jury members took it very seriously, but they were not sequestered. And I don't think anybody's saying that a TikTok in isolation could sway a jury. Nobody is saying that. I think the most important thing to really examine is that the noise around it, which wasn't always evidenced and rooted in primary evidence, that was not at the forefront of the social media noise. It was opinion, opinion, opinion. And it wasn't necessarily always driven and rooted in fact. And I think we would all be naive to not think that, social media is an incredibly powerful force. And as we showed in episode three, Johnny Depp went and spent time with some of those social media supporters. He didn't go and say thank you to other people. He went and he thanked those people who had been the most strident voices in support of him.
0: Well, social media does bleed into real life in many instances in this trial. You know, Johnny Depp waves to supporters in the courtroom after the verdict. And it occurred to me that the jurors were arriving to the courtroom every day. They weren't sequestered and they were probably driving past the crowds. Right. So they didn't need to be on Twitter and TikTok to at least see something. I mean, that just that was just impossible for them to not see that.
1: Yeah, I mean, the noise around it was very loud. And even though the judge very strongly reminded them every night not to be influenced by anything, we are all human beings. And I think the noise was very, very loud. So I was watching how the TV footage
0: was remixed and how hardcore supporters used it. And I was sort of getting this bad feeling in my gut about how some very high profile criminal trials that are in the works today might be manipulated for public consumption. Do you think there are lessons here for those who think this kind of fully televised coverage
1: would bring solemnity to these kinds of proceedings? I don't think there's necessarily a problem with televising trials because you're showing a full truth you know, unfiltered, unedited, it's very important. I also think that the democratization of social media is incredibly powerful and incredibly important. But I think that if this series and this trial shows anything, is that we all need a filter within ourselves. The filter is now no longer the platform that we choose to have our opinion for us, you know. All young people are completely platform agnostic. You know, we all know this. They wouldn't remember where they got a certain TikTok from or who, or they'll follow certain people, but it's open. It's out there. You can get your news and you can get your opinion from anywhere. And I guess all I'm kind of pleading for is not that this doesn't happen again, is that when we look at TikToks in isolation and we look at social media in isolation, we take a moment to think, what was the truth here? is there a, a pure source of evidence that I can look to myself and make some decisions about whether this TikTok is using a good solid basis for the things that it's saying you know and that is also why I all the time I was trying to put in as much evidence of photographs of videos, of texts, of of all of these things, just to remind people to go back to the evidence all the time and you get your opinion from seeing evidence yourself.
0: So Johnny Depp said he pursued this lawsuit to save his reputation, to save his career, Did he accomplish either one of those things with how ugly this thing got? Um,
1: You know, I think what's maybe surprised us all is that they've both come out and quietly got on with their lives as they both should. You know, um, he's still doing his thing. She is clearly also doing, you know, she's living her life and he's living his life. And and I think they both came out of it very sensibly maybe more sensibly than some of the media around it. Emma Cooper, the series, Depp
0: be heard. It is mesmerizing. It's fascinating and it is incredibly powerful. And I am so grateful that you came on the podcast to talk to me about it. Thank you so, so much.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: That's it for this week's episode. Thanks again to Emma Cooper. For more of my takes, check out my other podcast on Crime Writers On. Each week on that show, we break down the latest in true crime documentaries, films, podcasts, and pop culture. If you like You Can't Make This Up, please rate and review this show and share it with your friends. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. And make sure to follow the show to stay tuned for all new episodes. Our music is by Kelly Mack at Netflix Music Lab. You Can't Make This Up is a production of Netflix. I'm Rebecca Lavoie. Thanks so much for listening.